Hey nerds, if you like what we do here on One Podcast for Nerds, remember you can always support us through the ACAST supporting system to which you can find a link to in the description below of every episode. It's only a minimum of three US dollars, but no commitment. We also sell mugs, which you can find at mainjams.com, and I would describe them with Nolan's trademark slogan, having a good hand feel. They're great for coffee, tea, when you're streaming, gaming, or just doing nerdy shit. Alright, let's get to the show. Play that intro. I'm your host, Austin, and this is a real cool show that I've been wanting to do since we started One Podcast for Nerds. On this show, me and another host... Tonight, it's yours truly, it's Nolan. Uh, we'll be sitting down and talking about the music and some of our favorite games. And, by choice, of you, the listener, your favorite music, and your favorite games. But before we get into that, Andrew, that son of a... Says I am contracted by a blood oath, which I don't remember sh- signing. I have to mention to you where you can find us on the internet. And if you like what you hear and how you're going to be able to support us and get more involved, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at One Podcast for Nerds, where we post updates on the show. You can support us on Acast by clicking the link below in the description. Or by supporting us on Patreon, where you'll find all of this show and others we are producing. Now that my blood oath has been fulfilled for this episode, which I don't remember signing again. Nolan, why do you want to be here to talk about um, Castlevania Symphony of the Night? I really love the music of this game. When I played games, when this came out, I was always playing my own music in the background. And this was one of the few games where I really enjoyed listening to the music of the game. That's why I'm excited about this one. It's also one of my favorite games for the PS1. I probably put more time into Final Fantasy Tactics, but Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I probably had the most games played on that than any other game I had. No, talk about this now. I just want to go back and play that again. So, well, I can totally no. understand that. There's this game here. Like, it's the first game that I've ever uh, that we're that I've ever done from any anything that I've never once played before. I mean, come on, it has symphony in the name, right? We have oh, to talk about it here. Oh, the music is fantastic in this one. And since you know, I just said the title, we might as well get into it here. <laughs> so this time around, we landed on an older game, as I just said, Castlevania Symphony of the Nights, which is arguably the most popular Metrovania game out there, and it has been on my list for quite a while. Yeah, this is one of my favorite games that I. Probably my one of my favorite games I've ever played. It's got to be there in my top ten. It really has to be because it's got so much replay value and the music just fits. And it's like the whole game as a package is just great. One hundred percent. Yamane really fucking knocked it out of the park on this one. Oh yeah, and but uh, like even like the gameplay is really smooth and fluid, and Alucard looks awesome in that game. 
Oh, he's just he's just a I like no offense to like all the Simon stands out there, but you know, like Alucard's just way cooler. Oh, he is, and yeah, none of the Belmont characters ever looked as good as he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a handsome bloke, man. He's a handsome bloke. As I stated before, I've never actually played this game, so all I can really talk about is the music in this case. Now I know what you guys are thinking, Austin. Why choose a game that you don't know about? And to that, my fellow gamers, I say this is all about the section's all about learning. Uh, and listening to good music. And I learned uh, that this game has amazing music, which I wanted to talk about. So, And this is my narrative, so I can do whatever I want. Had you listened to any of the music or heard any of it before? before you? Um, yes, actually, I it? have. Yeah. Um, and it's just like when I was listening through the uh, the rest of the show, like I was listening to the entire soundtrack of uh, Symphony of the Night. I've listened, I've heard songs to this, and I didn't even realize it was for Symphony of the Night. Right, and I think that show that shows that uh, I think it shows that Michiru Yamane's perfect soundtrack for this game, because I didn't even know like I was listening to uh, Castlevania music beforehand, right before I even knew it. So apparently, uh, I found out today through my research that sim- both uh, Symphony of the Night and Bloodlines are standouts for this series for at least the music, anyways. So that's what we're gonna start out on because I personally don't believe that uh, we can really get into Symphony of the Night and how Michiru uh, Yamane got into it without talking about Bloodlines. I, I never played Bloodlines. I played Castlevania on... The last one I played before Symphony of the Night was on the Super Nintendo. See, from all the research I've done, it's quite like it's quite divided right down the middle in this, like it, for the community, right? Um, some people say that... Uh, Bloodlines is like Yamane's Yamane's true chosen work, and like it was perfect, right? Others say that Symphony of the Night is better just because it is known as one of the best soundtracks of all time. Well, I listened to some of the music from Bloodlines, and it's good, but it really seems like Yamane just she cut her teeth on that one, and she learned her lessons and put that into Symphony of the Night. And because the music on Symphony of the Night just to me, stands out more than the music I heard from Bloodlines. And oh, it's funny because the Castlevania fans, Symphony of the Night <clears throat> is considered the breaking point in the series. After that, it just went downhill. That was the best Castlevania game of the entire franchise. And after that, it was never the same again. Which is kind of funny because apparently it's the easiest one. It is because there is a few weapons you can get. Some of the swords that just makes Alucard way too OP and it's quite easy. But without those couple weapons, it's a bit more challenging. But it's still, I mean, the Metroidvania games are, they tend to be easier, I find. But with Symphony of the Night, you still need to find those weapons. And it wasn't until I played through it a few times that I found, can't remember what it was called, but the one sword that, that you just walk through. You walk over the entire game with it. So it's like but, the best sword in the game. But it's it's a draw from one of the enemies, and if you don't know about it, you'll never have it. Oh, see, I like that, actually. That's actually pretty good game mechanics. Oh, yeah, like, there's a lot of things that get dropped that like you don't find them until the second, third, fourth time through the game, and you find them by accident, and it just opens up the game again for you. So... By the time Yamane actually got into the series, Nolan, it was already like super, super popular. So she was like, she was so stressed out about it. She, <laughs> she like, she felt so much pressure to perform well, 
and she was asked to write music based on pre-existing themes from earlier games. The the re- the thing that made Bloodline stand out from like the previous games was uh, when Yamane took over. She felt that there's a link in the to the game's vampiric themes and classical music. Which you know what I couldn't agree more for decision here because for me vampires have always had this more regal atmosphere to them unlike the like the lather clad vampires of the day in like blade she really worked to integrate her classic style with the rock themes previously introduced in the series and according to games radar bloodlines is her breakthrough game soundtrack i mean again i think symphony of the night's better but you know everybody to their own well um, i think she clearly learned from bloodlines and that was the influence towards symphony of the night but also like I think like Bloodlines was her first time when she's making the soundtrack for a PlayStation game. And the big difference, like the big thing there is it was the first time studios weren't like with the PS1 using the CD-ROMs. It's the first time the studios weren't limited by the cartridges with with I Sega thought and Nintendo. The was the first one on the PlayStation 1. Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bloodlines was on a different console. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, because that's the reason why, just like when we were talking about Final Fantasy uh, a couple episodes ago in the regular podcast, um, that's why it it was such a jump in quality because they can do whatever they want with it. Because uh, I listened to some of the songs from Bloodlines and they they sounded really good. They didn't sound like they were from one of the other consoles. I don't know, See, maybe well, it was. Let's, on, let's, 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 let's Google this. It was Gen- See, it was... Bloodline was Genesis. There you go. <laughs> See, you know that's you know what that 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 is, Nolan. That's called being a Chad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, shout out to our Chad uh, researcher there. But you see, the thing that the reason why Symphony of the Night stands out to me though is a lot of the music sounded more experimental as well. And I think that came from the move to the CD-ROMs from the cartridges because it was a new frontier for the studios and for the composers and they were finally given so much more creative license to really explore and experiment and mix things and i'll I'll talk about that with one of the songs later on but it really allowed them to try new things i thought oh 100 and now there's still really great music in games today but it's not a new experience when you play a game today like it was when the PlayStation came out. I can understand that. Well, it's just because, I mean, technology has slowly inclined, but um, it wasn't a, as big of a jump when you go from a cartridge to a disc. No. And I think you can actually really tell from some of the songs that were on Bloodline, because don't get me wrong, they're really good songs. There's a reason why The Gamer, which, by the way, I think is a great website name, The Gamer website says that Bloodlines is Yamane at her best. I agree to disagree there, but yeah, same here, right? But you know, so just just for the some of the listeners out, listeners out there, if you haven't listened to any of these songs, uh, some of those good, some of the standout songs that I listened to from Bloodlines was "Reincarnated Soul," "Iron Blue Intention," and "Requiem of the Nameless Victims." Out of those three, I personally prefer uh, prefer "Requiem of the Nameless Victims." Now, those are good songs. I listened to all those. Um, but now, Nolan, the thing we all came here for, Symphony of the Night. 
held by many of many of us as one of the best soundtracks of all time and a game that changed everything for the series it started in from building on ev- from everything from level design dude the fucking castle flips and you have to run through the castle again upside down yeah and there's new music for that which was so cool Oh, 100%. Uh, and we'll get into that one, too, because that's one of the songs I selected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the action. Sorry, Simon, but, you know, Alucard's sword is way cooler than your whip. Yeah, and in the other games, like, Simon just upgrades his whip a few times. Alucard in this, like, he gets so many different swords. They have different qualities or give him different abilities, and there's different ways that they work in the game, and it just... Different swords just added different elements of gameplay that you don't get from a whip. Well, that's true. I mean, there's only, like, it's cool, like, the, the Morningstar upgrade when you finally get it for Simon. When you whip something, they explode. But other than yeah. that, like, the sword is such a more versatile weapon, in my opinion. Absolutely. And the presentation. The visuals have been, uh, have this beauty of this, like, this 16-bit uh, pixel art. And with a level of depth and complexity in the backgrounds that could have never been done on any of the other consoles, other than the final, uh, other than the PlayStation One. No, you're right because like it did give it the feel of the old Castlevania games from like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, but it was just a much better level of art. And just the way Alucard moved was it was beautiful. When oh he... man, that opening <clears throat> scene! Oh yeah, and like. Just like the way he's got that uh, kind of blurred shadow when he's moving, when he's jumping and doing all kinds of stuff, like it—that's just a whole new element to the game. Oh, hundred percent. And like when when I was going through listening to the music on YouTube, because yes, I use YouTube to listen to the music for the show. The art man for this game, fucking Ayame K- uh, Kojima. At, like, have you seen some of these artwork, guys? It's fucking unbelievable. Well, it's funny because, like, you read some of the comments and some of the articles that I've read for this, and there's a number of people who, in the store, they just bought it secondhand because they thought, you know, this looks pretty cool with the artwork on the CD cover. And then they're blown away by the quality of the game. Yeah. And as we said before, uh, SOTN was uh, developed by, uh, uh, by Capcom for the PlayStation. Uh, and since the PlayStation used CD-ROMs, the system was uh, capable of a much higher quality in both music and sound. The game was developed by Konami, and it was placed on the PlayStation 1, which used CD-ROMs. The system was capable of a much higher quality of music and sound. The art director, Osamu Kasai, requested Yamane to join the team personally, which I think is really fucking cool. If the game developer is like, no, no, we don't want any of you guys here. We want her. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> Which and, and you know what? It ended up being an amazing decision since uh, without her, we wouldn't have this amazing music that we're going through right now. It would be a completely different soundtrack, in my opinion. Uh, Nolan, do you know what an Akai sampler is? No idea. Before usually, before the Akai sampler came out, they usually ha- they have it's they have these boxes right where they just be able they'd only be able to take a little samples from other music and other stuff, right? For the when you use the Kai sampler, it'll let you take like it has like like nine different buttons, and it'll let you take samples from nine different songs or nine different sound cues you want to put in there. And that's how she cool. made most of the songs in the soundtrack. That's funny because one of the songs that 
I want to talk about sounded like it was two different styles of music played on top of each other. That's, that's probably, she did probably that. one of the songs she used, right? Yeah. And like back then, this is like this was like new technology back then. Nowadays, like YouTubers and artists and everybody are using this to make this stuff. It's like common technology, but back then she was like a total uh, pioneer. And it's just like connected to a computer running through Logic Pro and Pro Tools to record the music. That's cool. Um, yeah, I um, I had no idea that this that like that technology was a thing. Like it would make, I'm sure it would have made my life so much easier when I was trying to do stuff like this. <laughs> but this was the first time she was attempting to play, uh, attempting to mix like rock music and her normal genre of music, which is uh, classical music, right? So, and I, you know what? I think it, it can be quite daunting for your first time when you're trying to mix a new genre to you into with your old stuff. Um, and I think she did quite a good job considering the fact. No, absolutely. Because, like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to talk about Rainbow Cemetery here for a moment. This was a song that I really enjoyed and it's not one that you're going to bring up but this is a song that's played when you're underground underneath the, the castle and the caverns and catacombs and stuff and this is the one where it feels or it sounds like it's a classical track with like an electric rock track on top so yeah you have like the haunting gothic feel from the classical music but then you've also got the electric rock music on top of it which gives it a sense of urgency urgency and like makes it sound like there's just good, there's more action and it just fits as you're just plowing through the enemies in there and it's funny you mentioned that kai sound because this is what i noticed when i listen to this it, it sounds like two tracks of music played on top of each other that really worked and really complemented and again this is what i was talking about like this is what made me feel like you don't really hear that kind of experimental music in games anymore. I mean, music is great in games, but it just doesn't feel I, as experimental as it used to be. And Rainbow Cemetery was the one that made me think of that. I find music for nowadays, right? Don't get me wrong. You're right. There's a lot of really good music out there. But I find music nowadays, when especially when it comes to video games, everything's so like meticulously planned out. Like in um, The Last of Us 2 right it's so yeah. planned out it's it's most of it is just like acoustic guitar plunk, plunk uh plucking and since ellie plays the guitar i feel i feel they knew that was going to be the soundtrack from before they even started it with this one she kind of had to just experiment and go along with it and i think that really shows to the quality that we're listening to absolutely and like it, it reminds me of like the movie composers like when like i've watched so much stuff about star wars like how they composed the music and did that. Like, that's how, that's what this soundtrack felt like to me. Yeah, yeah. But you want to know another really cool fact that I found out about the uh, soundtrack? And I found something that apparently, since they were so understaffed for this game, right? She also had to make all the other sound effects in the game. So not only did she do the soundtrack, she did all the sound effects for the game too. That's cool. Like, smashing all the tables and all the furniture and. All that. Oh yeah, man. Hell yeah. 
my yep. first song that I'm going to talk about is the aforenamed Dracula Castle. Um, there's a there's such an iconic scene when Alucard's using his like his super speed and he's running up to the castle and he just makes it in there before the gate closes. You know the music that's playing in that background. Oh yeah, yeah, it's ambient, atmospheric, and energetic. The soundtrack it almost kind of molds the world to what we will experience. You can like it 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 starts off with like this wind and like everything like that in the background and you just see. Uh, like Dracula's castle in the background, you're like, oh shit, I'm going in there, right? <laughs> um, and then when when Alucard's running, it like opens up into like this like powerful guitar, and then it kind of like it picks up into the chorus, which kind of surprised me because I've never played, like I said before, for probably for like the forty second time in this podcast, I've never played this game before, but I kind of got nostalgic, right? Oh yeah. Um. Because it kind of, like it just reminds me of like these eighties and like nineties cartoons I used to watch when I was a kid, you know, like with the uh, like absolutely uh, the like, o- like the opening songs. Yeah, it sounds like the opening cre- like the opening titles tracks to a lot of those cartoons. Because yeah, like with this one, it fits with Alucard so well because he's a vampire and just the speed that he moves, the fluidity and everything, like the music I thought captured that. And also, Ooh, and especially the speed as he's entering the castle there. That music really fit and captured like the whole essence and tone of the game. Like the classical music that gave it the gothic haunting feel. That was really atmospheric. But then the rock music that she put on top of that, really quite often, like it really lends to the speed and the fluidity that he moves. And um, they just fit and complement each other so well. 100%. And then, like, I've, a really cool this fa- uh, so, a fact about this song, it later ended up becoming some of uh, Alucard's themes in, like, later games. Dracula's Castle, just he's just, like, when he shows up, it's just always playing. That's cool. Yeah. Noel, you said you wanted to talk about another song as well? Well, yeah, like, the game starts before there's Alucard entering the castle. The game starts with uh, a bit of a prologue, which is Richter battling Dracula. And the song there is Dance of Illusions. It just fits so well because, again, it's got the classical music underneath it that gives it the feeling. But it's got a lot of powerful music on top of that that just fits with a battle between Richter and Dracula. And like with the action, like you got like cymbals crashing and the music and all stuff. Just starts off the whole atmosphere of the game. And you well, start with that, and was, you just know that that's what the game's going to be. Well, no, hundred percent. And it was like, like I was saying, like beforehand, it's it was already such a popular game. It was really, I think, it was really smart to show the previous fight, right? Yeah, expands the universe. Oh yeah, and and yeah, Castlevania was such a hugely popular franchise for Nintendo before that, and for Konami once it went to Genesis. So that was your favorite song of the soundtrack. That was one I liked that you didn't mention. I really liked Rainbow Cemetery. The other one I really enjoyed was uh, Last Painting, which you're going to talk about. Yeah, I was about to say, because that is my favorite of all this, uh, favorite song of all 34 songs in the original soundtrack. The music is really beautiful in that one.
cool because it just it has this almost ambient sound of curiosity and if i i know like i know people are gonna be like what like really right but like it's it's got this like if, if curiosity had a sound i think it would be lost painting because oh it, absolutely it, like it first plays like when the uh like the castle like inverts it switches upside down right and it starts out with the hardest part of the game oh man like the, if you go in the wrong direction you get slaughtered <laughs> once well, the castle inverts like there's some powerful enemies if you if you go the wrong direction but the thing about this is like the first time you play through the game you don't know there's going to be an inverted castle you don't expect that then it happens and then you have this music start it's really beautiful it's kind of soothing but you feel like, like it lends to the idea that there's something epic starting now the whole level of gameplay afterwards is i thought much tougher and it just and the music really adds that because you listen to it and it feels like there's something building up in the music and even as it's looping when you're in there like it's constantly got this undertone of build up like something's just building and building and it's gonna explode and that's the difficulty level of the game i thought no, hundred percent. But I have, I don't, I don't even think I could even, uh, I can even add to that. I think you just like nailed it right on the head on that one. To go back into like curiosity factor, as as a gamer myself who tries to find every aspect of the game he plays, this song holds more meaning to me because it portrays portrays the mystery ahead. You know. Yep. There is the constant feeling of like something building underneath when you hear that music. Hundred percent. I don't like. I don't know. This is just me as a music fan in general, right? This is this game. This song alone from this game has probably jumped up to my top ten of my favorite music, right? From video games, right? It, I, and if I had to place a reason why, I don't know. I just think I really like that chiming sound it has. And it was it was amazing, and it, this song was a total delight to listen to. Well, it's got a soothing quality to it while it's still building, so it's soothing, but they. Like it builds tension at the same time, which sounds like such a contradiction, but that's what the music does. And that's what makes a great track powerful. And that's what makes it fit. It, it plays when the castle inverts. And it also plays in a couple other parts of the inverted castle that, again, are like really difficult. Library. Yeah, and those are some of the most difficult to, and challenging areas. Yeah. And so, like, it really fits with the gameplay there. Like, it's a brilliant... Um, and. The great thing is you don't hear it until you're halfway through the game. 100%. And I think that's a really smart way to save the best track, Wink. If you, uh, By the way, listeners, if you had cha- like have a different opinion than ours, uh, why don't you let us know? I, I'm actually legitimately interested in hearing why you think your song's better than my song. Oh, absolutely. And I know like, I'd love some feedback for the next song you're going to talk about because I know that's quite divisive. Oh my god, I, I I just never heard it. Uh, so remember, yeah, exactly. email one podcast for nerds at gmail dot com. Nolan, like last podcast, you weren't in the last podcast. The last podcast, uh, Andrew was trying to convince me to stream for this, right? And if I ever did, I think I'd actually want to try this game. I think just doing this research here made me actually want to try Metroidvania games again because it's just like I said, it was just it was never my cup of tea. No, but every once in a while, like you want to play a game that does have that kind of linearity of having a 2D, like like this style. So, you the listeners, 
You can look forward to that. Because I believe this is available on PS4 and 5 now. Oh, really? Okay, well, I, I'm going to go look at that. I'm going to see if I can buy it tonight. Here's a cool interview I stumbled upon. The director of uh, Symphony of the Night, Koji Iga Igarashi, had to say uh, had something to say about Yamane's score. He's like, Yamane's soundtrack was a fusion of rock, jazz, and classical styles that have appeared uh, that appeared hopelessly mismatched on paper, but worked surprisingly well in practice. He's like, the musical package was rounded off rather neatly by Rika. Uh, Murin Aka's uh, heart-wrenching I Am The Wind, which is sung by American uh, artist Cynthia Harrell, who, by the way, another fantastic game. She's the person who does Snake Eater from uh, the the Snake Eater song from Snake Eater uh, Metal Gear Solid 3. That's a great game. Oh, so good. <laughs> which uh, So, I Am The Wind plays over the credits, for those who don't know. It will be the final song you hear uh, in the game, and it'll be the final song that you hear from us today. I always win Cause I'm fight both life and death to save a friend I face no, I don't know about what, about what you have to say here, but... I, I just, it's a beautiful song. Like, like don't get me wrong. It's a very beautiful song. Uh, like, it has very beautiful soft jazz. And, you know, it's, 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 it's got, like, wonderful vocals. I just, it, I just feel like it's a little out of place. It does, and it doesn't. And this is what makes it such a divisive song. Because, like, it's not like any other songs in the game. But the song, if you take it on its own, take it out of the game and just listen to it on its own, it fits so well with Alucard and his whole backstory and his journey from like the death of his mother to him finding peace at the end of the game. And, and the death the, of his father. And yeah, and when you listen to the lyrics, like and the song was written about him, so that all makes sense. When you put it back into the game and with like all the different all the tracks in the, the game, as a whole doesn't fit. It fits on its own as mm -hmm. a song about Alucard, but to me, it just doesn't fit with the tone and atmosphere of the rest of the game. And I understand, agree. I understand why they put it in there. It just doesn't feel right. The thing I think about the song is, it, this is the song that's playing over the final credits. This is the song that you hear while you're supposed to be reflecting on your entire journey through the game. And it shouldn't be confusing or out of place. It should be a song that envelops the entire like feeling that you get, you know? Yeah. So when it when this song came out, it was uh, I don't know, man. It just feels off. No, it does. Like again, it's like you're listening to a rock concert, and then instead of an encore, you get Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's like. I, like that's a really good. Me, uh, that's a really good analogy. Like, <laughs> that's the only the only way I could describe it. It just doesn't fit with the rest of the soundtrack of the game. It's like. I'm listening to Metallica, and then at the end, like I, I'm expecting something like Unforgiven, and instead it's Kenny G and Sax. Fucking crazy! I, I just <laughs> Kenny G, man. You know what? That like fits way better than the analogy I was gonna bring up because it like for me it just sounds like this weird romance song of uh like from like the like late '80s, early '90s, right? And it's about a 
it's a, the game's about you going in there to kill your evil father. But Kenny G fits so much better. <laughs> <sighs> Man, once they thought that up, I couldn't wait to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that was going to crack you up. I think I think that's about it. Like, and I and like I I hate to take away credit that this song deserves because they worked really hard on the song like the vocals are amazing the jazz is amazing like every little piece of the song is put together very particular to make a very beautiful song but it, it just... does the song does tell alucard's story like it feel it really fits for alucard just not in, in this a, as a whole the soundtrack yeah no that's what i mean it's like like if they had released this game like the song prior to the game coming out or after the game had come out and be like, hey guys, this is Alucard's like, uh, theme. It almost tells a story. I think that would have worked great. They had a, had a more like gothic horror song to end it off. I personally think that would be amazing. The main thing I, wa- I wanted to say about Symphony of the Night was it does have an amazing soundtrack. Oh, 100%. And it, like I said at the beginning, it's one of the few games that I would play and not have my own music in the background. I remember that. I was always listening to whatever my taste was at the time, whenever I was gaming, I, I rarely ever listened to the music in a game. But Symphony of the Night, like, everything just fit throughout all the parts of the game. And I enjoyed the music. It was one of the very few games that I played with the music on. Oh, 100%. Like, for, for me now, whenever I'm just grounding in Destiny or something like that, I think I'll just play Lost Painting on repeat. Because I actually have it on my personal soundtrack <laughs> now for when I'm, when I'm heading to work. But, yeah, no, so for me... Lost painting for you. Lost painting viewers. Let us know. Uh, I'll yeah. let you know again. One podcast for nerds. Let us know how you feel about I am the wind, right? If you think we're right because we are right, <laughs> or you're going to show us <laughs> what's really up. <laughs> but, all right. So this has been Austin. This is Nolan logging out. All right. From Music behind the games. <laughs>